With the Packers set to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three this week, the week two game got me thinking, was this an opportunity to fortify this team for a playoff run it couldn't make before? Our friend Carmen Vitale from Fox Sports joins us to talk about that and a whole lot more, plus some Packers, Bears, Redux, all of that coming up right now. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's Prize Picks, promo code locked on. Carmen Vitale from Fox Sports, formerly of the Draft Network. She used to cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is now covering the NFC North. She joins me on the show today. We're going to talk Packers Bears. We're going to talk a little bit about Bears, Justin Fields. We're going to talk about Packers Bucks. Mike Evans suspended for this game. We'll see if that suspension holds. I anticipate it will. This is a multi-time offender now. Was suspended in 2017 for a shove on the very same player in a very similar situation. I don't expect the league to say, nah, nah, just kidding. No, that's not going to happen. I expect Mike Evans to be out in a season where Chris Godwin has not been able to go. And where Julio Jones is already dealing with injury issues. Rob Gronkowski not in the building. So plenty of questions about an offense in Tampa Bay that has already just not looked good. Not looked good. And a run defense that suddenly looks vulnerable for the Bucs. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about the Bucs this week. We have, of course, Sayu Doing on Wednesday. Our crossover Thursday coming up on Thursday with our friends over at Locked on Bucks to dig into that. Last time we did that, it did not go great for me. I lost a bet. I had to let a, a Locked on Bucks listener play a voicemail on this show. It was not my favorite thing that I've ever done. Here we are. Before we get to that, but they are related points. In 2020, one of the big reasons the Packers lost to the Bucks is because they could not run the ball at home in January Lambeau Field. A.J. Dillon is a pup at that point. I thought he could have gotten more opportunities in that game. Aaron Jones has the worst game of his life in that one. And in 2021, Aaron Jones has an opportunity to go score. Can't for whatever reason. I don't know why he doesn't just keep running straight at the end of the first half. That's not even really a, a knock. I just don't, I just didn't understand it. I understand, I guess I understand he was trying to cut back. And there, there are reasons, I suppose, for doing it. AJ Dillon gets hurt. He goes out. The Packers cannot consistently run the ball against the 49ers, a team that out physical them 
twice in three years in the postseason. Now, I don't, I, I have made the case on this show before that this idea that the Packers are soft because good pass rushes have really beat them up. That's not how this works. Um, I, I just don't think that's, that's not often not a physicality thing. The 49ers defense is really good in part because it's really fast. It's not just really physical. And, and the, the Niners have been really good offensively in one of those games and they won on special teams in another one. The Bucs, they were physical, but they played finesse on offense and won and it was fine. So I just, I don't buy that as a criticism. All of that is to say, when I watch this team now, I look at a team that could be like the 2019 49ers with better quarterback play. That could be like the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers with you know weapons that aren't quite the same. But let, let's make no mistake, they beat the Packers not just because of Tom Brady and those weapons, but because that defense in the second half was so stout when the when the offense started turning it over. And they beat the Chiefs because they could rush the passer against a bad offensive line playing multiple backups. The Packers right now, top six pressure leaders in the league. Match Nyman from The Athletic had this stat. Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, and Preston Smith are all among league leaders in pressures in that group. Preston Smith leads the league in pressures. Preston Smith played the best game of his life on Sunday night. Six pressures, five run stops, was all over the field, doing a little bit of everything. Two sacks. He was awesome. Rashawn Gary making plays, sacks, tackle for losses. Kenny Clark, quick inside pressure. Their front can dominate games. And I know that they got... Beat up a little in the run game. A lot of that had to do with fits behind. Linebackers tackling. Safeties tackling. Not guys just getting moved off their spots. Now, some of that was Dean Lowry got moved and and uh, TJ Slayton did not have a great game in the run game. You can rush the passer. You can run the ball. In the postseason, I don't want to say that's enough because it's not enough. But that is a great blueprint and if you're the 49ers you just had to scheme up enough other stuff just scheme up enough other stuff and and I keep going back to Sammy Watkins three catches over 90 yards all three schemed up play action shot plays not shot play shot plays one of them was the 55 yarder was a shot play that if that ball is out a little bit more in front Sammy Watkins might score and if it's Christian Watson he might score anyway the other two were off play action little strike calls Play action, turn, fire, bang. We we wondered if that was going to be a staple of this offense after it was only called, like I think, once in week one. The answer is yes. This is going to be a staple of this offense. It's a great way to get your receivers open. And then just little things here and there. The Cobb angle route from the backfield. You scheme up Alan Lazard getting some, some open releases, some slot plays. You get the play action shots. And then just Aaron Rodgers can make some of the plays Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't. The 49ers went out to get Trey Lance because he couldn't make the sorts of off-schedule throws and the downfield throws that they wanted in this offense. Aaron Rodgers can, and we saw it, the off-schedule plays, the 20-yarder to Randall Cobb, the third and long conversion to Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers, just go make 
two throws, three throws outside of structure and live in the structure of the offense, hand the ball off, make good decisions, play good defense behind, rush the passer, create some turnovers. And if a team wants to run the ball, yeah, they have to they have to fit up the run a little bit better than they have. 27th in EPA per rush right now. Defensively, it feels like 37th. But because they were so good the rest of the game, it's two drives. It's really two drives and then the end of the Vikings game. If they finish 22nd in EPA per rush, right now they're 11th in EPA per dropback defensively. I think that number is going to go up because they're not going to bust these coverages the same way. I think the, the the answer for how good this defense is is somewhere in between what we saw in week one with all the coverage busts and week two allowing, you know, what, what was it, 48 net passing yards to Justin Fields. They're not going to do that every week. They're not going to play Justin Fields every week, but they do get to play Justin Fields again. They do get to play Jared Goff twice, although that, that offense looks really fun. Still Jared Goff, but they do get to do that. There are some opportunities on this schedule to take advantage of some bad QBs. We'll see what the situation with the Cowboys is. Cooper Rush is still Cooper Rush. I know they beat the Bengals, but. So if they have like the eighth best passing defense by EPA and the 22nd best rushing defense by EPA, they probably have the the 13th, 14th best defense by EPA. And right now they're a, they're a good offense. I know it seems weird to say they're a good offense right now. By EPA, per, by, you know, what a pick a metric. They're a good offense. They're going to get better. And they look like a team right now. I think they're going to get better offensively with the offensive line. They're going to get better as Alan Lazard gets more reacquainted with this offense. They're going to get better as these receivers become more of a part. The young receivers become more a part of this offense. But when you can run the ball and not just run the ball, run the ball in myriad ways. Here's pin pull. Here's gap. Here's counter. And then mix in the wide zone, the inside zone, the RPO, the zone read if you're really feeling frisky. Although I don't think that was really a zone read. I think Rodgers just decided he was going to do that. They can be so much more diverse in the run game. And with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and then you get back Kylan Hill at some point. With these big bodies up front, the 21 personnel, it's going to make them so hard to defend in December and January. And then you get Aaron Rodgers. And you're not asking him to go win you football games. You're asking your defense and your run game to do that. Make two or three plays. Make two or three plays and take care of the ball. That's what he did on Sunday. He didn't even play great. He had a passer rating over 130. Nine yards per attempt. Couple of touchdowns. And they won going away. It's not going to work every week because every team is not the Bears, but it's going to work plenty of weeks. And this is the formula. You know, we talked yesterday about this identity that they have one now. It's not just that they have one. It's that the identity that they have right now is one that actually can work in the postseason. We know because we've seen other teams use it against the Packers. All right, we're going to get to our friend Carmen in just a second before we do that. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for any occasion, any budget across the US, Canada, and the UK. You could get an SUV or a minivan for a family road trip. You could get a classic or luxury car for a special event. Birthday, holiday, was just at a wedding where someone had, they, they drove in in a, a Ferrari. 
Wouldn't that be cool? Drive in, drive into your wedding in a supercar. Pull up to a date in a supercar. Yeah. You can do that if you want, I suppose. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo. Joining me now from Fox Sports, formerly of the Draft Network, Carmen Vitali, covering the NFC North. And this is an old NFC Central matchup we've got coming up here in week three for the Packers, coming off a game against an old NFC Central and still NFC North opponent in the Chicago Bears. Carmen, it is awesome to be with you. Thank you for being here. So let's get to what happened on Sunday, because I think there is this question that we all had going in going, okay, what, what's the deal with Green Bay? Can they get this all figured out? To what degree do you think they, quote unquote, got it figured out against a Bears team that man, we don't know how good this team is? Yeah, I don't know if they have it all figured out quite yet, but they certainly knew that what happened against Minnesota wasn't going to work. Right. And it's interesting, too, because both Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers called their shot essentially and said, yeah, we need to get 28 and 33 the ball more. And guess what? That's what we're going to do. And guess what? Again, that's what they did. Um, It's just, it is completely demoralizing. I think as the Chicago bears to have known that that is exactly what you're going to do um, or what your opponent is going to do. And then to let them do it to you uh, to the tune of 203 rushing yards and 132 of which are Aaron Jones, who had five touches, I believe in Minnesota, but um, you know, it, they're, they're trying to work through, I think, a lot of things and kind of shifting this offense a little bit to play to their strengths now that Devontae Adams is just not there. I mean, that's 25% of your end zone production from last season that's just gone and you don't have anybody that you can turn to that's reliable enough, at least at this stage of the game, to pick up that slack. So you're going to have to kind of switch it around and we're seeing maybe a little bit more of the dynamic parts of this McVay-Shanahan-Tree offense. Um, and it was interesting, too, because given that Luke Getze is now on the sidelines for the Chicago bears. I asked Matt LaFleur after the game, I was like, was there any sort of focus on maybe running some different things because you know that he has your playbook and he knows your personnel so well. Um, and he went into the whole thing about how, how always having to self scout, but it was definitely something that they were aware of. And obviously, you know, kind of different and deviated from what Getze was used to with this team last year. Yeah, it's been funny because uh, the last uh, the last game they the Packers go into a game where they're looking at an offense that is the same essential tree yep. that that they run offensively yep. and defensively the same basic tree that they run, and now two weeks in a row they're facing an offense that they see in practice this defense every week. Defense got some differences. The Matt Eberflus um, style of this too high is not the same as as what we see from these Fangio defenses, but it's really the same going back to to the Tampa two, which I know you're familiar with as well. So it, it is going to be fun week to week to see teams as everyone goes to the McVay tree and the Fangio tree of defenses to see what kind of counters they have, because this is something now where everyone is practicing against it every day. I think we're going to see the coaches sort of that, that can create new things, the McVeigh's, the Shanahan's, and will hopefully the LaFleur's in the Packers case right. to find those little edges. Right. And I just, I definitely think too, 
I mean, you're going to have an emphasis on running the ball, at least to begin with, uh, as you, these receivers become more comfortable and more ingratiated into the system. And I mean, NFL defenses these days aren't really built to defend the run. Most of them are built to defend the pass because this is a passing league. You know, you've got just the absolute prevalence of 11 personnel, those three wide receiver sets. And so there's been a huge emphasis. I think most teams run their nickel package more than they run their base packages most of the time to get more DBs in coverage. So if you hit guys like that with a ground game, um, which is actually what the Bears were able to do in that second half a little bit more against the Packers while they were thinking, oh, hey, the Bears are really behind. They're going to start passing the ball. They didn't. They stuck with the run, and it worked because of that. Um, And I think that there's kind of a niche, and that's why this league is so cyclical, and it's kind of a copycat league where you're going to see maybe more teams start to incorporate, especially multiple back sets and and all that kind of stuff because defenses don't really – they're not built to defend that anymore. We see this in the NBA. Pace and space gives way to, oh, you can play with multiple bigs on the floor. You can create problems unless you have Steph Curry. I mean, this is this is how sports works. And what's it's what makes it really fun. When when we look at this Bears team, they come off a win um, coming into this Packers game. The Bears fans were pretty loud in my mentions all week about <laughs> it. We don't have to we don't have to get into that part of it. But shout out to our mutual friend, Paige Smakos. Um <laughs> And I. Uh, it was one of those things where I I come out of this game going, I don't know how much of this was about what the Packers really are versus what the Bears really are. Where do you think that that spectrum lies? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little bit of both because I don't know how much evaluation you could have really done with the Bears given just the torrential circumstances right. of that <laughs> In last a monsoon, game. yeah. Literal torrential circumstances. Uh, you know, Justin Fields did some good things and they carried that momentum in with them to the first drive, at least, uh, of this Packers game. But of course we know that, you know, these drives are scripted the first couple, you know, they can be the first couple drives, uh, but it completely dropped off after that. And you saw that, you know, this offense still had, you know, trouble adjusting and Justin Fields was not comfortable. And I mean, they, again, leaned on the run because it was what was working. And I don't necessarily have an issue with that, but attempting just 11 passes. I mean, that to me is, was that what they were calling or was that what green Bay was giving them? And that's where you kind of, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. Uh, I think anytime you hold a team to 11 passes, that's something to hang your hat on. But at the same time, I don't think that the bears were really sticking with it or trying knowing that that's not the strength of this team right now. It's not the strength of Justin Fields in this offense yet. It's not the strength of these receivers yet, especially with a guy like Bayless Jones out. And you obviously, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, that was working. So I, I, I kind of lean more on situational football, but I think everybody also knew about like after that loss to the Vikings that the Packers weren't going to take that lying down. And there was, very, there was still a very slim chance they were going into you know, today's, or I should say Sunday's game. And they weren't going to come out swinging again. They did that last season. They had a really bad loss to the Saints. And then they came back and I think they won like seven or eight straight. I don't think anyone actually thought that the Packers were in trouble. Again, probably mostly because of coaching. I think LaFleur is one of, is one of those guys that's going to figure things out and, and kind of adjust things on the fly once they figure out what they have. Part of this is trying to figure out what they have. And right. and one of the things we talked about on the show yesterday was this looks like the Packers team we thought we would see, a stingy defense, a run game that is going to come downhill and punch you in the mouth. And then the veteran receivers just make a couple plays. The rookies make make one play. Just make one play, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. And Romeo Dobbs, Dobbs did. 
Dobbs did it. He made the one play. Sammy Watkins made the one play. And and that's enough. No, that's enough to beat the Bears. Right. Is it going to be enough to beat the Bucs? I want to talk to you about the Bucs in a second, but I actually want to ask you a Justin Fields question first. Sure. I was I I got a call from a Bears fan friend of mine today. And he was like, I think that, that, that this Bears team needs to go full 2021 Eagles. They need to lean into the run game, quarterback run, and just do what Nick Sirianni did. Mm-hmm. What is the offense that you think puts Justin Fields in the best position to succeed? Because I don't know if that's it either. I kind of think it needs to be the Arians down the field, the sort of Buccaneer style of offense. But what, what do you what do you think about that? No, I I actually have said that exact thing where I think that they would be kind of wise to follow the Sirianni model. Mm. Uh, but it took Sirianni half a season to figure that out. It sure did. <laughs> so, I mean, you're going to, again, I think that maybe what we saw in Green Bay was a little bit more of the realistic expectation that we can ex- we can expect from this offense as, I mean, it's a first time play caller in Luke Getze. This is Justin Fields' second system in two years in this league. And it's just going to take some getting used to it to figure out what exactly works. But I do think that you need to kind of lean on his athleticism, especially when you've got so many question marks on your offensive line. So you're going to have to help them out in any way. And those boots and just Justin Fields getting out of the pocket, them not having to hold it very long is going to help them. Uh, I don't think that they have the capability because those Arians offenses, as I've been very accustomed to watching, it hinge on very much having a really good offensive line that can hold a pocket uh, while you get through your, you know, your reads and everything like that. I don't know that fields is super comfortable doing that yet. So I think there's room to, you know, maybe add that in as as they go along. But I think in the meantime, if they want to have, some immediate success. Now that's the other question too, is do you do this for now or do you start building that downfield offense and, and take your lumps as you go? And that's a philosophical thing that I think that Eberflus and Ryan Poles are probably talking over as to what exactly this team, the goals of this team are. Um, but I mean, you know, everybody in Chicago was very excited about the, the, the opening win. And then, you know, you're brought back down to earth with the Packers. It's because you always are (laughs) as a a Bears fan. (laughs) Um, And I think that the truth lies somewhere in between. But it's going to it's the real the the reality is it's just it's a new it's it's all new. Everything is new. And that's just going to take a while to get used to. Well, think about it for Justin Fields going back to Ohio State. You know, how yep. many, how many straight years has he changed offense, changed offensive schemes, yep. the transfer from Georgia? I, I mean, was say this transfer. has been right. This has been a thing for like the last half decade of his life, basically, right. that he's trying to figure out what's going on here with all these moving pieces. So I don't envy him. Um, and and I think he's talented. So we'll we'll see what decisions they make there. Let's let's push our focus forward here. Um, we're on to Tampa Bay, as Bill Belichick would say. <laughs> and we got news that Mike Evans. At least for now, you know, pending a, a um, an appeal of this suspension is going to miss this game against Green Bay after what happened with Marshawn Lattimore. Those two guys just hate each other. I mean, hey. and and I love it. I love I, I love I love the spice. I love that they both want all the smoke. I just think it's great. Um, it's a bummer that he's out as the president of the Mike Evans fan club. 
tell me what you think this means for this Buccaneers offense that has not looked great to start the season. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, I don't think I get enough credit for pushing Mike as much as I do, <laughs> but you know it very well. We've gone. I back do. You love Mike Evans. And I think I Mike do. Evans is awesome, by the way. I just want to say that. I think Mike Evans is awesome. I know. I know there's, there's, there's a debate to be had there. Um, but he, <laughs> and obviously like, there, there's some bias on my part, getting to watch how he works and exactly what goes into everything you see on the field. Um, I have absolutely no choice but to be very biased with these guys, but I'm known for their offensive line. I'm also known for being the Levante David uh, stand to get him to the Pro Bowl, which just by the way, happen. I'm that guy too. Since since the draft, I have been a Levante David fan. So He's I just best. I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah, uh, but no, this offense, I mean, you're right. It this offense hasn't looked like it has the last couple of years, um, where you eat it's just very high-powered downfield passing, get the ball down there. But at the same time, with all of the offensive line issues that they have right now, that's what I, I said it before. This offense is predicated on having a really solid offensive line. And if you don't have that, then you need to make adjustments. And right now, you can lean very heavily on this defense. And that's what they're doing. Um, that being said, too, this defense <laughs> is a run, stop the run first defense. So the Packers are running into a brick wall. Um, with that, but as far as the offense goes, I mean, it's very much let the defense do their thing. We're only going to need 19, 20 points because that's all they've been scoring. And at the same time, I don't think that Tampa's worried about it because of the fact they have that defense to fall back on. And they don't think that their opponents are going to score any more than that. Um, I don't know how we're going to see because this offensive line, the tackle situation with Donovan Smith out just kind of, and then Josh Wells goes out and then now you've got Brandon Walton who, who filled in well for it being his first game <laughs> and you're blocking for Tom Brady and you're coming in for his blind side. Uh, and, and to be fair though, I've talked to these guys very extensively about what it is, what it's like blocking for Tom. And they said that he, it really is a lot easier than you'd expect because Tom makes it easy on them. He gets the ball out really quickly. He recognizes, you know, pressures and everything that's coming towards him so he can get the ball out. Usually has those check downs um, unless, you know, Fournette's being held or anything like that, which definitely didn't happen last game. Uh, and start a, uh, yeah, um, no, they're, they, they lean very heavily on that. And so I think that that's going to continue. You have the run game. And then you have the fact that Leonard Fournette can catch the ball. And you've got Rashad White, too, who's their rookie out of Arizona State. Who they love, right? Water. And, yeah, he's he's very used to that pro-style offense where he was taking passes out of the backfield or catching passes out of the backfield in college, which is not something that a lot of running backs are super used to when they come into the league. So you can lean on him, too. Um, and then, I mean, they still have – they they loaded up on receivers for this exact scenario. We'll see what Godwin's status is. Uh, Russell Gage is another guy, which I think is going to be a little bit more uh, involved probably. And then I will see Julio Jones. I don't know how, how much he's hurt and what you can really realistically expect from him. But again, I just go all the way back to the defense because <laughs> I'm just there. The way they're playing it is that teams just that, aren't that has to be where they lean. Right. I want to ask you about that defense though, because I was looking at the numbers and, and I saw um, Evan Crowley who covers the, the bucks at WTSP in Tampa tweeted out a, a stat about their, their run defense that sort of floored me. And I looked at the numbers coming into the game and, and we were recording this before Vikings and Philly finish. So we don't have their numbers. They're actually the two worst teams in the league run defense success rate. The, the Vikings and the Eagles are. The Buccaneers are fourth worst in defensive success rate, run defense. That is 
legitimately shocking to me because for the last two years, teams just said, we're not even going to bother running because this team is so good at run defense. So is this just like a two week blip and this is all going to be fine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) look at like the teams that they've gone against so far this season. It's been the Cowboys who they do have a good running attack, but I mean, that was just such an uncharacteristic game for the Cowboys in general. You have Dak go out. Everything is just topsy turvy in that regard. Uh, You cannot draw any sort of uh, patterned statistics, I think, from any of the matchups with the Saints because those are always so (laughs) weird. Just aberrations, outliers. Right, the outliers. Plus, Alvin Kamara was out, and then you just – Jameis Winston being doing Jameis Winston things. Um, Yeah, I think that those are both outliers. I'm not concerned at all about this run defense. Plus, Akeem Hicks did go out in that Saints game, and Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that he's okay because that's a big part of what they do up front. Uh, him and Vitavea being up there, but that being said, they've gotten by without Akeem Hicks uh, before, and they, they Vitavea himself kind of takes up at least two blockers, um, if not three. So I I wouldn't take anything necessarily from that, but the entire defense is built on stopping the run first and then go building out from there. And what we've seen too is that these defensive backs and this secondary they're running a lot more three safety sets in that back level and they are ball hawking their little behinds off. And you know, you're they're I mean, Jamel Dean, two freaking interceptions. I cannot tell you how proud I was of him because that is something he's worked so hard on is actually turning those pass breakups into interceptions. You've got Antoine Winfield Jr. You don't have to tell the Packers about Jamel Dean getting interceptions. So no, I don't have to because Aaron Rodgers is like third pick six ever. Yeah. Jamel Dean in that week, what, week six, I think it was years ago. Um, no, that was, yeah. It sounds like you think we're going to get a sort of old fashioned NFC central kind of game. I mean, I, I think that that is definitely possible. Although I just don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Packers do. And if they try to stick to this run first thing against a defense like this, um, I've heard Aaron, Aaron Rodgers said it on pardon my take a few weeks ago that Todd Bowles is the hardest coach that he ever has to face. And then Todd kind of returned the favor and said that, you know, you see Aaron Rodgers, you see, he was also talking about, you know, quarterbacks in general. So he said Patrick Mahomes, but he's like, you see those guys on the schedule. It's scary Um, because Rodgers can go off script because Rodgers can make things happen, but he is missing the person that he used to go off script a lot with. (laughs) So that's going to be interesting to see how they decide to play that. But I mean, I would think that there's going to be a lot of very heavy boxes you're going to get a lot of really creative defensive fronts, some pressures. Uh, you're going to have even these defensive backs kind of coming down and doing some fun things um, and trying to confuse Rodgers as much as possible because that's kind of how you can get to him. Well, the Bucks are certainly going to try. The Packers are going to hope to have some better answers than the last times these two teams faced, than the last two times these two teams faced, unfortunately, for the Packers. Carmen, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, great conversation with Carmen. She is excellent at what she does. Uh, I hope to get her back on the show coming up later in the season. No shortage of early NFC North opponents. Packers play. This is three straight NFC Central, old NFC Central opponents. So a lot of fun, and and we're going to get Carmen back on coming up later this season. And speaking of coming up, before we get to what's coming up, before we finish up the show, today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy, made fun. It's easy. Pick two players, 
and decide if they're going to score more or less than the prize picks projection. You're not playing against me. You're not playing against other people who might know a bunch more about all of this than you who have fancy algorithms and whatever. No, you're playing against prize picks. They pick a number. You decide over or under. That's all. You pick two to five players who you think are going to score more or less than their projections, and you can win up to 10 times your money on that entry. It's not just football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, college sports, women's sports, soccer, NASCAR, everything, anything. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe and fast withdrawals. And they're currently operating in 30 states in Canada. Go find Price Picks in your area. Download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can get a 100% instant deposit bonus of up to $100 with the promo code locked on. You put in 100 bucks, they're going to give you 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. Get that deposit bonus now. And thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen to the Peacock and Williamson Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, back tomorrow. Zhao you doing? Lily Zhao is here. Uh, she was at Lambeau on Sunday talking about Packers Bears to look forward here to Packers Bucks. A potentially depleted Bucks team. And the Packers, after what happened on Monday night, right back in the middle of the NFC North race. Come on, it was really, you weren't that worried about it, right? You weren't that worried about what was what was really gonna happen in all of this, right? No, you weren't worried. I know you weren't worried. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775. Stay Locked on Packers.